When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition, another episode, another version of the Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. Um, yeah, guys, yeah, those of you that are listening, you know, you've been listening to this for some time now. I mean, we're well over 100 episodes now. And the guest that I've got on the show today, um, Bob Priest Heck, I wanted to talk to him specifically, and I wanted to bring him on the show very specifically, because what his company, Freeman, does is, is uh, something that all of us you know, that are listening uh, have experienced in one, you know, one way or another, and that's an event. Yeah, an experience. And Freeman is one of the world's leading uh, event producers. And Bob is the uh, CEO and, and, and is a board member of Freeman. Freeman's over 95 years old. They've been around a long time. And part of what I wanted to talk about is, yeah, as we're coming out of the pandemic, and we're not there yet, but as we're coming out of it, you know, we all had the experience of being locked down. And as an event company, as an event provider, uh, there was some real interesting dynamics in play you know, for your organization and just for the industry as a whole. And I, and I put myself on the user side of that equation um, because we, you know, you know 90%, 95% of my you know, book of business was uh, event oriented in some way, shape or form. So um, I want to just welcome um, you know, Bob Priestech and we're going to have, a, I think, a fascinating conversation. So Kind of strap your, you know, yourself into the seat here, and uh, we'll see where we end up going. So, Bob, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's so nice to be here. Let's, uh, well, I'll just start with you know, a typical question that I'll ask a, a guest here, and, and you know, I kind of set you up for this you know, preamble before we started recording. Uh, but when you hear the term the soul of business, what does that bring up? And I'm specifically interested in it from a couple of perspectives. Number one, obviously, is your, your, your orientation around it. But also as an event producer, how does the event medium lend itself to showcasing the soul of a business? Oh yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a good that's a good setup for me. Thank you, Blaine. I so for me when I hear that and when why I was interested in being on the show was uh, to me it's the heartbeat of an organization. When I think about you know what really drives what really makes something hum and. For Freeman, being a 95-year-old company, um, you know, there's a lot of, of very deep values here. And, um, you know, a lot of companies uh, have marketing and HR write down the values, and then they try to teach the employees, hey, these are our values. But at Freeman, it, it was really done differently. At some point, someone said, you know what, we should write down what we what we stand for what are our values what do we do how do we do it and um 
And so it's very much in the fabric of the company. And uh, to be honest, I, I like to say that people are the next killer app. And this is a company full of amazing, amazing people. And sometimes people say, well, why is Freeman so successful? There's lots of competitors. It's our people. It really comes down to our people. So when I think about the soul of our company, I immediately think about what's the real heartbeat and it's our people, it's the team. And that is our secret sauce. Um, but I love the part two to your question because this is really why I think events are so critical to really business. Uh, and you know, we, we lost about 95% of our revenue overnight. Uh, you know, we're, we're private, so I don't share numbers, but think multiple billions down to hundreds of thousands uh, overnight. And, and it was very traumatic as you can imagine. But what we quickly learned is, hey, we're impacting kind of global commerce. These events are where people trade. It's where they go to learn. It's where they go to innovate. It's where they go to network. Um, some things were okay online, uh, you know, education, you know, very topical things. Uh, you're seeing corporate customers still use virtual very successfully because they've always been looking for that solution. I've been doing this for a long time. We talked about omni-channel marketing in the 90s yeah, yeah. and the best we ever got in most cases was multi-channel but but you know the pandemic kind of enabled a, a different approach and i think you're seeing that used successfully but even the most successful folks who've done things online want to be back together face to face and for me i think when you bring people together with a common purpose so i don't care if it's soccer coaches if it's heart doctors if it's technology executives if it's pick something um, they really, they, and they have a five senses experience with events that you can't really have in any other medium. They really do their best work and they really come together and they're really happy. And, uh, you know, we've been through a lot as a society. And I, I recently wrote a, an article that really kind of describes what I call the pressure stack of what everyone's been through. And I, I picked the last 22 years randomly. I just picked since the year 2000 and, I looked at what we've been dealing with as a society, uh, both with social uh, issues, with political issues, with with uh, you know technology issues, and it's not bad or good. Some bad, some's good, some's in between. But the rate of change and the amount that we're asking people to process, and really kind of the divisiveness that that has been driven out of this period, um, I linked to the Edelman trust barometer. So I don't know if you're yeah. familiar with the Edelman trust very, barometer. Very familiar with Edelman. Yeah, I've, I've looked at it for years and I linked kind of where we are in trust. And so I go back to what we learned in the most recent trust barometer from Edelman, and it was a consistent decline in trust in media, trust in government, and an increase responsibility for corporate leaders, for business leaders, because... Mm -hmm. People, they, they want to work for a purpose-driven company. They want to understand that the company is going to stand up for things that are important to them. And they want to make sure that at the end of the day, they have a trusted source. And so, um, again, I go back to the soul of the business. I think it's changing a little bit um, because I think people, as, as corporate leaders, we have a new set of responsibilities that you know many of us weren't taught. In fact, we were taught quite the opposite, which is, hey, that's not for work. That's personal. We don't talk about politics, religion, you know, things like that. But but it's getting harder to, to balance that. So um, I'll, I'll end on this point with 
with the pressure stack to say, I think events play an important role in rebuilding trust as well. Because again, when we all come together, we leave some of that bias, some of those personal views at the door, and we just say, hey, we're going to work on diabetes today and solving and making a cure. We're going to work on developing a new technology. You know, you really, you really come at it from a much more open place when you're together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, there's <laughs> there's about 14 different, yeah, I made some notes as you were talking about 14 different things I want to touch on here. Um, you know, the five, the, you know, the five sense experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a virtual environment doesn't, you know, obviously lend itself to a full five sense experience. Um, there's a notion that I have about all that any organization is, is a collection of individuals that are in relationship. And to the degree that the relationships are working well, you got a pretty good shot at being successful as a company. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, the first blush understanding of that is, well, it's the interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. There's also a relationship with values, vision, mm -hmm. work process. There's a relationship with the, the, with the chair that I'm sitting in, the chair that you're sitting in. Yes. And, and you, you mentioned uh, the rate of change. And this is one of the points that I wanted to just kind of unbundle here a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is accelerating. There's no question about that. And because all an organization is, is a collection of folks in relationship, they have a relationship, like I said, with just about anything and everything that an organization's about. The problem that I can tell, or my, my, my take on this is the problem with change isn't the change itself. The problem with change is the disruption to existing relationships that the change causes. Yes. And it's that disruption to relationship that you know, gets to be problematic. And that's where we, you know, and when, when those relationships are perturbed, are broken, that's, you know, symptomatically, we're going to see breakdowns in trust or reporting yeah. of I don't trust. So those sorts yeah. of things. So that as kind of a, a preface, Freeman brings something to the table uh, that I think is unique. And I say unique in the sense that you are, you know, just extraordinarily competent in doing what you do with this. How are you able to, through the use of the medium of event, reestablish connection, reestablish trust, not just the interpersonal five sense trust, but the, the trust that people have you know, with, you know, with a company that's actually hosting, sponsoring, uh, you know, both hosting and sponsoring uh, an event? How does that come into play for you? Uh, yeah, it's a really good question. And I, I, we just had our leadership conference last week. Uh, so we had about a couple hundred of our leaders together in San Diego. And this was actually on the agenda. And we actually talked about trust. And the first thing I had to do, and we actually brought in a speaker who is an expert in trust and building you know, relationships. But the first thing I had to do as the CEO was acknowledge that trust has been broken. And even for a 95-year-old, deeply respected, high-values organization, we broke trust during this period. And we did it to survive. I think people intellectually understand that we had to do it. Um, but we, we, we did things that our employees weren't used to seeing us do. Uh, we did things that our customers weren't used to seeing us do. Um, now, we did it within that value, that set of values. Um, and 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 that was really important to, to rebuilding trust is that, you know, the company is being put in a position where we had to furlough 87% of our workforce, but I paid healthcare uh, for as long as I could. I paid 
I paid a supplemental unemployment for as long as I could. Mostly, and the most important thing we did was we communicated with all of our furloughed employees. Every other week, we had a newsletter that went out to them because people were afraid and they were they didn't know. And honestly, we didn't know. And I was pretty honest about it. I'd say, look, we were hoping this would be a three to six month problem. It looks like it's going to be a two year problem. And here's what we're doing. And here's what's going on. And and people deserve to know that. They deserved then that level of respect. And so we did that. So I would argue within all of the hard decisions we made, we used the Freeman family values and we everything was kind of anchored left or right. But we stayed within that range. And it really set us up, by the way, the vast majority of our furloughed employees quit other jobs and came back to Freeman as the industry recovered. And yeah. um, but now we're really talking about the eight pillars of trust, trust, which is something David Horsinger uh, speaks on. I don't know if you know David, yep. but you know, number one is clarity. Number two is compassion. Uh, number three is character. Number four is competency. Number five is commitment. Number six is connection. Number seven is contribution. And then number eight is consistency. And that's why all of the things I just described, for example, during the pandemic were so important because we had to provide clarity. We had to be consistent. We, we had to be, you know, really of the, the most utmost character in, in, in what we did. Um, yeah. And I think we did that. And I think that's how we're focused on rebuilding trust is we're saying, you know, how are we going to do this? Because if we start with a bunch of excuses or reasons why it all had to happen, um, it's just kind of a waste of time. Let's just acknowledge it for what it is and then figure yep. out how we go forward. And so that's what we're doing. And I think our customers and our employees really have showed up and 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 worked with us through this whole period. So uh, kind of awesome. It's kind of an awesome, kind of an awesome thing to be honest to, to see. I mean, it, it was, you know, horrific. Uh, there were days I thought, oh my gosh, can I do this another day? And then I'm like, yeah, you have to, Bob. You got to pull yourself up and you got to do it. But I'm so yeah. glad we did. And we're in such a better place. Uh, but it was that deep set of values and trust that carried us through. Well, yeah, that kind of goes back to your whole notion about, you know, the heartbeat and the people. Yeah. And I mean, to me, when I hear stories like this, I, I just, I mean, I literally physically get chills because, you know, I'm just, you know, a rabid proponent of authenticity in the leadership uh, lexicon. You have to be authentic. And the fact that you were you know, saying just a moment ago, excuses weren't going to carry it. You know, excuses no. are just a way to camouflage and, and create you know, a dust cloud so that people can't see what's going on behind the, the no. sausage making uh, effort here. Uh, so just kind of being that authentic in and of itself generates trust. You know, and the folks that are longtime listeners to this show have heard me say this before. Um, this was an old mentor of mine, a fellow by the name of Will Schutz, Dr. Will Schutz. Uh, people will connect through vulnerability. That's the only way that we actually yeah, get connected. Right. We connect through vulnerability. I believe that. I amended that a long time ago and said we disconnect through certainty. So when you try to position a facade of certainty, yeah, there's no place for people to connect. Yeah. And that idea of compassion, and, and, I, and I am familiar with those eight pillars. Uh, the, the book, you know, those of you that aren't you know, watching this on the YouTube feed, um, you can't see me pointing, but over my right shoulder here, uh, it's a book, uh, Compassionate Capitalism. And I'll send you a copy of this, Bob. Uh, but it's, you. you know, it's all predicated on connection, maintaining connection. 
And then the behavioral analog to connection is compassion. How do I care for? And it's not soft and fluffy. It's hard decisions. Yeah. 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 I have to make hard decisions. I'm going to have to furlough 85% of our people. That's a hard decision, but we're going to do it in a way that indicates we care. It's consistent with our value core. Yeah. Well, our our chair, Carrie Freeman Parsons, uh, chair of our board, She's a longtime member of Conscious Capitalism, and she's on the board yeah. of Conscious Capitalism. And it's a pretty simple concept, which is you can do good and still do better. And uh, and I may be misquoting them, but that's how it is in my head. You can do good and still do better. I mean, so you can it's be a successful business and profitable. And But the question is, are you focused on all stakeholders or are you focused just on the shareholders? And I think the most successful businesses are focused on all of our stakeholders. So our customers, our employees, yes, the shareholders, but but everybody who makes this business great. And I think that's why Freeman has had the longevity of 95 years. I mean, if you think about it, there are very few companies that are 95 years old in America. There are, yeah, I mean, handfuls, uh, so it's and it it's, is a handful. It's just a small yeah. handful. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Companies have life <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So the other thing I just think is sort of interesting is we had another speaker at our leadership. I, I had a great conference last week. It was so good to bring our leaders together. We hadn't done it in a couple of years because of the pandemic. The other thing that I think you would really appreciate is we had a speaker. His name is Ben Nimkin, and Ben had a, he's a young guy. He had a show on MTV called The Buried Life, and um, it really talks. He's written a book, and he's a professional speaker, but but it really talks about personal purpose. So uh-huh. I'm always trying to connect our people to the purpose of our clients, to the purpose of of connecting people in meaningful ways, which is what we talk about at Freeman. We say we connect people in meaningful ways, and we create moments that matter. That's our job. And I'm always coaching our people to say, hey, when you go to produce a show, you know, don't think about, oh, I'm an AV tech or I'm kicking out signage or I'm writing a strategy or I'm selling sponsorship. Think about I'm helping doctors connect to solve these problems. I'm helping, I'm creating an environment where technologists can learn and create amazing things for our future. I'm creating an environment where we can have teachers like excel and be better teachers for our children. Like, that's our purpose. Our purpose is not to do things. It's to create an environment that actually moves the community that we're supporting forward. But I had never really thought about personal purpose in that way. Mm-hmm. And this is a hard business. So we work really hard in this business. We spend lots of days and in, in nights on the road and in hotel rooms. Um, it can be physically hard and intellectually hard. And um, we were dealing with burnout pre-pandemic. We were dealing with you know, people just are best people. They just work harder and harder and they're heroic in their actions. And I've been struggling with this for years. And as I mentioned, our care, our chair, Carrie, uh, you know, she and I have been talking about how do we get work-life balance? How do we get to that? How do we, how do we do it? It's so hard in this business. Clients call, you got to respond. Um, but Ben really talked about work-life harmony, not, not balance, but harmony. And he, yeah, and he really coached our team to say, hey, are both sides, these are these are my words, Ben does it better, but are both sides of the ledger full? Because the work side of the ledger has all kinds of accountability and commitments and there's built-in structure. But on your personal life, 
do you have, do you have personal purpose? Do you know what, what motivates you and helps you think about your life beyond work? Do you, you know, do you have a bucket list? Not mm-hmm. when you're 60 or 70 or 80, but do you have one when you're 20 or 30 or 40? And what goals are you putting against that bucket list? And who's holding you accountable? And are you creating an accountability structure? So that was actually my opening keynote at our leadership conference. And this gets back to building trust because people were like, okay, wow. Again, they authentically understand that this is a problem for for us, for for all of us, especially with the mental health crisis we're experiencing. And, and, you know, it is a real problem. And I think our people left really inspired. And again, I think it's another way to build trust because it's just honest. It's, It's saying... Hey, I know this is a problem. So how can we collaborate to solve it? And we'll keep we'll keep bringing that. In fact, we are about to go on the road, the top leaders of the company, and be with all of our employees all over the world. And um, we do this for a family business, so we still believe in getting out there face to face and seeing our people. And we're going to talk about it with every employee in the company. We're going to talk about trust, and we're going to talk about personal purpose. That's perfect. When you can bring these things together. Uh, I mean, and that has been a mantra of mine for years. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a number of studies that talk about, you know, organizational, you know, you know the, in the domain of employee engagement, mm. yeah, emotional engagement, mm-hmm. personal meaning has to be tapped into if you're going to have in, uh, individuals in the company that are meaningfully engaged, mm-hmm. yeah, emotionally yeah. engaged. Yeah. So it's kind of like, what does working here make possible for me that I wouldn't get anywhere else? And yeah. it's that make possible for me. It's very specific. We're going to take a real quick break. I want to you know, do a little bit more exploration on that. And I also want to bring uh, Abraham Maslow into our conversation because there's a piece Great. here that I think will be interesting. Yeah. So folks, talking to Bob Priestech, CEO of uh, Freeman, and we'll be right back after this short message. I want to thank you for listening. Um, I want to also invite you right now to go to blainebartlett.com. And on that site, which is my personal website, you'll see uh, services up on the top menu. I'd like you to click on Leadership Mastermind. Now, why I want you to do that is we have uh, structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful. And by going onto that site and clicking that link, you'll be taken to a landing page that is an invitation to join this mastermind. It's a 52 week long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast changing environment. You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, How does one become a leader that can keep connection to the soul of business? That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program. So again, go to blainebartlett.com and click on the services link. And there you'll find the link to the leadership mastermind program. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this little commercial. And now back to our show. Welcome back. And just before we took the break, uh, Bob had been talking about um, personal purpose and you know, kind of the uh, meshing of personal purpose with what the organization is actually doing. It's got its, you know, organizations have got their goals and objectives. 
And the, the notion of burnout, you know, I do a lot of work in the, the physician you know, space, healthcare space. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously during the pandemic, the burnout is an issue. I, I do a lot of work in hospital systems around the, around the country. And one of the things that I found around burnout is that burnout doesn't occur because people are working hard. Burnout begins to occur when people lose connection to meaning. Mm. You know, what I'm doing mm-hmm. is no longer meaningful in the way mm-hmm. that it used to be. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, most, I say most organizations are toxic to the human spirit for that reason. It doesn't, they don't have an opening where, you know, what I care about in my life yeah. gets, uh, gets addressed as I'm doing the work I'm doing for my company. Right. So, yeah, and yeah, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What are some ways that you're going to be looking at, you know, and this may be an invitation for the, uh, you know, the employees to you know, do a little bit of brainstorming around this too. How, you know, how are you going to encourage that exploration of where does, where's the intersection of personal purpose and organizational purpose? Where's where, where that coming into play? Yeah, um, it's a good question. We're, we're having this debate right now. One of the things that we're, we're looking at is how do we encourage people to dream? How do we, encourage them to think beyond their current reality, to think about the limitations that they've created in their own self or that other people have created for them. And um, there's all kinds of really great things companies can do. You know, we have employee assistance programs, we have unlimited PTO, which is a double-edged sword, but we, we do encourage people to take time off. We, we do employee appreciation days where we try to shut down as much of the system as we can. So we tend to do these you know, around 4th of July and Christmas to New Year's type times. Mm-hmm. Because there's something to be said about everything coming together. But then we're also trying to say, and, and there's many other things we're doing, you know, uh, even business things that have um, kind of a, a secondary benefit. So one of the things that we put in place during the pandemic is we got much more disciplined about tracking our time and, and how we bill for things because we... Mm-hmm. You know, we had a different business model in our core business where we would get paid at the end. And um, we had to think differently about that because we didn't get paid by a lot of people. And um, but then I realized, oh, wow, this is also really helpful for enterprise resource planning. And now I can see when we're putting someone in a situation 10 months from now that they won't be able to fully survive. I mean, they will. They're heroic. They'll get through it. But so, you know, there's all those things. But this notion of encouraging people to dream, giving permission to say, hey, and we, we saw some of this during the pandemic, people would, you know, be at home, and their kids would come on the screen, and then they'd say, oh, I'm so sorry, or oh, my dog's barking, You'd be, and I'd be like, it's awesome, let me, let me say hi to your daughter, let me say hi, you, you know, <laughs> what, how old's your dog? Um, it opened the window to our personal life in, in a very unique way, and um, I think we got to keep that up, I think we got to find ways to continue to do that, and to dream uh, big and encourage people. So we're building a new corporate headquarters in Dallas. Uh, uh, not what we would have built pre-pandemic, but we are moving into a new corporate headquarters. And one of the installations will be a dream wall. And I want people to go put things on the dream wall. And I'm going to look at how do we help each other as a community achieve those dreams? How, how, do, we, how do we do that? And, and we're going to find ways. So I think we have more work to do here. I can't tell you that we've We've kind of coded it just just yet, but we're just starting with simple, and it is community driven. I um, 
I actually hired a head of community this year. So somebody whose sole job is to think about community with a big C. So it could be customer communities. It could be employee. And I'm, and I'm not trying to have her do marketing's job. It could be employee communities. I'm not trying to have her do HR's job. I'm trying to have someone think at a higher level. Like, how do we connect people internally and externally in meaningful ways that are purpose-driven, um, that really are supportive of one another? Because I think that that's what communities do. And I hired this incredible woman. Her name is Sherry Huss. And Sherry created Maker Fair. So she was a co-founder yeah. of the Maker Movement. And um, and that is an entire community-based thing. And she's also, I, I've worked with her in the past, you know, created developer communities, had really done a lot of amazing things. But I think all companies are going to have to think this way because there's a lot of change that's still coming. It's not fully revealed itself. Yeah, you know, that, that dream wall, you know, <clears throat> Carl Jung, and, and this is my butchering of something he said, but yeah, imagination is the, is, lives at the threshold of the spirit. Mm. And if I can actually use imagination, I tap into that, that life force, you know, the soul yeah. That, yeah. that is the heartbeat of, 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 of living. And, you know, the dream wall, I love the dream wall. You know, I mean, I'm assuming you're familiar with Bob Chapman. Yeah, Barry Zinger. Oh, uh, uh, I'm not sure. Tell me more. Uh, yeah, manufacturing company. Yeah, blue collar manufacturing company. They have a dream wall in their mm. in their facilities, and yeah, that's I'm using that label because that's the one that you used here. But it's it's yeah yeah. What are you aspiring to? Not from work, but what do you right. aspire to in your life? And they put this up and people. I mean, it's as a community uh, nexus point. It is. In unbelievably powerful yeah. to just kind of keep things moving and that sort of thing. And it's the, the keeping things moving that I now want to kind of transition into. So sure. that's a butchered segue, but that's kind of where we're going. <laughs> no, it's great. It's all good. Um, you wrote something a little bit ago <clears throat> on uh, one of your LinkedIn posts, uh, and it's a quotation from Abraham Maslow, and I'm going to quote it here. One can choose to go back towards safety or forward towards growth. Mm. Growth must be chosen again and again. Fear must be overcome again and again. Yeah. And in the work I do with my clients, um, uh, the idea of sustainable success will usually come up in some way, shape, or form. How can I how can I crack the code so that I've got this perpetual motion machine that keeps me successful? Yeah. And the way that I've come to play with this, or actually you know, codify this, is there's no secret code, but there is this one thing that you need to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. sustainable success is the process of developing the capacity to continuously start over. Yeah. And that notion of continuously starting over is really anathema to a lot of folks because yeah, it's kind of like start over. What do you mean? Yeah. Well, pandemic, I think really uh, marked that territory out in a very interesting way for most companies on the planet today. We've had to start over. Yeah, and there's there's an incredible gift in that. Yeah. So yeah, you know, you talked about you've changed some of your billing structures. You you know, you're now looking at things a little bit differently with your employees. You know, what is you know that that whole hierarchy of needs when we start moving towards self actualization? Yeah. yeah. How are you using that notion, uh, that model, if you will, in in your leadership with the organization? Yeah. Uh, such a great question. So I'm a Maslow junkie. So I love, mm -hmm. I love it. And there's a joke in our company that anytime a period, a, a pyramid 
in any accidental form shows up, they're like, oh, there goes that Bob's because, you know, he's got Maslow <laughs> somehow connected to this. But I think it's really it's really true that I think Abraham Maslow got it 100 percent right. If you apply the hierarchy of needs to any situation, it's it's completely there. You can't skip a step. You can't jump up. the can't go from, you know, food, water, shelter to self-actualization and not do all the things in between. It doesn't really work. And so I think as leaders, it's much of what I've talked about today. We have to actually mm-hmm. meet people where they are and we have to be honest. And if you're going to be a real, real, rebuild trust, if you're going to get people reconnected at a purpose level, you have to start with where they are. And we are all in different places, but the pandemic kind of level set us in a way. It it kind of forced that issue for a lot of people. It created a common thread that ran through all of us. And so I've been really focused on trying to address that common thread. And I've been really focused on resilience, which is what I think you're describing when you talk about, you know, the ability to get up and do it all again. And we we hear a lot about corporate resilience. You know, that's very popular in the board boardroom. You know, you'll, you'll you'll have that discussion around corporate resilience. But I've been focused on more than that. I've been saying, how do we help our people build resilience? Because to my earlier point about the pressure stack and the amount of change that is happening and the rate of change, it's not that things haven't always changed. It's that they're changing so fast. I mean, think about the the iPod. The iPod was created and 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 shut shut off in a 20 year cycle. So yep. it was, you know, they don't sell an iPod anymore, but just 20 years ago, they launched an iPod. It changed the music industry. It changed the way we listen to music. It had younger generations have access to every genre of music, every decade of music. I mean, it's unbelievable and it's over. It's, it's, it's no longer, it's obsolete. It's, it's, it's done. So I think people are going to have to learn to be more resilient and I'm pretty honest about it. So I have the old joke. My kids would say it's a dad joke, but you know, um, I have the old joke. If you, you know, if you hate change, you're really going to hate extinction um, because <laughs> it's true. And, and so That's we have true. to get comfortable. It's, it's, it, we have to get comfortable that things are going to change. So to do that, we have to build up people's resilience it's why trust is so important. It's why corporations have a new responsibility. And we just updated our values. So we we, we have very strong values, as I mentioned. Uh, you know, we have integrity, enthusiasm, empathy, innovation. But we added a new value this year called learning mindset. And we want our people to have a learning mindset because we are in an environment that will probably never be as stable as it once was and as maybe as predictable as we would all like. And so um, to me, that's all driven by an understanding of Maslow and the hierarchy of needs. Uh, So anyway, that's what, that's what we're doing. I love it. Folks, we've been listening to Bob Priest Heck, CEO and uh, member of the board of Freeman, uh, one of the premier event companies on the planet today. And uh, Bob, I can't thank you enough. This has been a fascinating conversation. I mean, I literally could you know, continue this for another, you know, probably day. Uh, it's great, great material. I love talking to folks like you that are doing things on the ground to make a difference in the way that the business is actually experienced. It's mm. not about the money. It's about the experience that people have. Do they feel good about themselves when in the presence of, of the work? Yeah. And yeah, that's it. You know, moments that make a difference and, yeah, that's, I, I love hearing what you're up to with this. So again, I want to thank you for the time and also for the insight. 
Well, thank you. And thank you for all you're doing, uh, helping leaders from all different types of companies find the soul of their business and build better. So thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Folks, you've been listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. Uh, check out my website, blainebartlett.com. There's a, a bunch of material up there. Most of my IP, uh, if you're uh, a frequent listener, know that most of my IP is available uh, basically for free. You know, just go up, <laughs> go up and pull something down. And then let's have a conversation about how you can use it. And uh, we'll catch you on the next episode of The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. In the meantime, as you go out today and uh, live your life, uh, be, you know, be conscious of becoming a center of distribution, not a center of accumulation. And we'll see you on the next, uh, next episode. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.